MSC Lab, the Customer Education Laboratory, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stops growth dead in its tracks. This is Dave Darrington, and with this episode, we once again take a break from our normal format to bring you the second of a two-part presentation, which was given at the Bay Area Customer Education Meetup on January 31st, 2019. Here, we join Isabel Schwartz as she talks about data-driven decision-making for customer education leaders like her. Once again, a very special thanks to Adam Evermescu for organizing this event and to Christy Hollingshead of Heap for making it possible. If you'd like to see the visuals being talked about within this presentation, check them out on our C-Lab YouTube channel at bit.ly slash C-Lab 16. Enjoy. My name is Isabel Swartz. I am the learning manager at Clear Company. Um, and so I'm responsible for both internal and external customer, uh, internal and customer education, uh, which is really interesting. Feel free to ask me questions about it. It's a delight. So what I'm up to currently, or what the learning team is up to, I am now a team of two, so exciting. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so we are in the process of implementing SkillJar, our very first customer-facing learning management tool. So we've had an internal-facing one for a hot minute. Uh, now we are moving to SkillJar, and it's so far so good. Plug for SkillJar. The second thing we're doing is um, we are creating a sales training program for all of our sales executives. So we just partnered with ADP, and we are a 150-person company. So we have a few salespeople to hire. So we're creating an entire onboarding program for that team specifically. Um, so I'm learning how to be a salesperson. That's also interesting. Um, and then our final big project or objective of this year is to migrate our entire client base from one version of our talent management platform to another. So what Clear Company does, um, so we are a SaaS company, as I'm sure many of you are if you're in customer education, and we, are, uh, uh, we build a talent management platform whose mission is to help other companies achieve their mission by hiring, retaining, and engaging top talent. So we do that with recruiting and onboarding and performance management and goal alignment. We partner with payroll and benefits and all that exciting stuff so folks in HR get their all-in-ones. All right, so let's get to it. Building a customer education program is a lot like boiling the ocean. Um, so this is something I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. I was just chatting with a few of you over here and I'm actually gonna use maybe a couple of you as an example, so bear with me. So this is our one of our biggest challenges here, um, especially when it comes to, uh, if you're in a newer program, let's say you're like Clear Company and you are your customer education program is really starting to become more mature and there's some growing pains and you've got to figure out what kind of data you want to analyze, who you're going to hire, what learning management system do you choose, among other things. And there's a lot of different directions you can go in, there's a lot of mistakes you can make, and there's a lot of exciting things you can do. Um, so what I want to talk to you about is how, uh, how a few actionable things we can do to start finding the best bits of the ocean to boil. So as I mentioned before, the bad news is you're never going to boil the ocean. There is always going to be something else you could be doing also. So what we need to do as educators for our companies is figure out which is the best thing to start with, especially if you're a team of one or a team of two. Because we all know as soon as you become a team of two, your workload does not lighten. It just expands. So 
So we're going to talk about revenue targets. And I know, I know what you're thinking, Isabel, no, if we wanted to talk about revenue, we would have gone into sales and we'd be making more money. Don't worry, I promise this is highly relevant. So we're going to talk about revenue targets and why they are important for your job. Um, we're also going to talk about you. I was going to talk about the Fire Festival. Can you raise your hand, actually, if you've seen either of the documentaries about the Fire Festival? Can you continue raising your hand? Keep, keep it up, keep it up. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the Fire Festival? Yeah, okay, so that's most of you. The TLDR version of it is that it was one of the worst, like, worst pop culture disasters that's happened in the past 10 years. It's hilarious. You should see the documentaries. Um, so I was going to talk about that. We're going to table that since we don't have a ton of time. I am going to talk to you about doing all of this yourself, um, since I'm assuming not all of you have teams of many people to help you. So first, we're going to talk about you. Hi. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask all of you, and again, we're going to do the show of hands thing. Um, I want to ask who here has built a customer education program from scratch? Who's in the process of doing that? Okay, so that was a trick question. All of you should have raised your hands because we know the work is never done. All right. But one of the reasons why I asked this, I want to kind of get a good understanding of like where everyone, where everyone's at sort of in this customer education journey. Um, this also applies if you are participating in building a customer education program. As you might imagine, and as many of you all know, you are a limited resource. So you and your team are a limited resource. And one of the biggest challenges, I know I was talking to a group of folks over here, one of the biggest challenges is figuring out, okay, so out of these 40 items that I have, which ones do I work on first? Which ones do I assign to my team members? Which ones do I tell my executive team next year for that particular thing? As a limited resource, this, is, this becomes a challenge when there are a number of facets of the organization that you impact. So these are some examples. These are things that I pulled from Clear Company uh, that we've calculated that customer education can impact. So we're talking about our customer satisfaction and NPS score. Um, we can positively impact support ticket volume or negatively impact it if our knowledge center is doo-doo. We, uh, we can impact time to value. So we saw that in Dave's presentation. Time to value is a huge one, that you're saving the company a ton of money. Um, you can also increase product adoption, decrease customer churn, lead generation. Did I miss any anything? Maybe. All right, we'll pretend that I didn't. I got all of them. So you can have you can have an impact on many facets of the business, right? And um, oftentimes, just by existing and doing your job, you can have like you know you can positively impact almost all of these things. But what becomes important as a limited resource is understanding where you can apply sort of the minimal effort to have the most value, um, or apply maximum effort to have the maximum value. So how do we decide this? is context, right? So understanding your business is really, really important. And this is where revenue targets come in. I promise they're relevant. So one of the things that's really helpful as a customer educator is to understand what is driving, what you're, what's driving your business currently. Every business, even if you're a nonprofit, every business is there to make money. Now, maybe they're making money for a very good cause, but revenue is driving your business. And as a customer educator, it means it's also driving your business. Your job exists because you support revenue generation at your company. And this may sound a little bit grim and makes customer education seem a little bit less exciting, but it's actually really fantastic because the best salesperson in the world can't make a customer as happy as you can to be purchasing the product. You can make someone really glad that they're spending $50,000 a year to have your product, 
which is crazy if you think about it. So you can have, this is why your company invested in customer education in the first place, or they're about to. All right, so let's talk about an example. And I was actually gonna pull from here, but um, Jim, if you don't mind, I'm gonna use you as an example, because you're my, yeah, conversation with Jim is really interesting. So yeah, so um, if you wanna talk a little bit about um, what you're being hired to do. Okay, so I am joining a company that is, it's not a software company. It is a educational assessment and training company. And they are, they have built a very good, valuable, successful business doing live trainings. And for the past couple of years, they've started doing online trainings and they have not concurrently developed ways to track, measure, support, understand the success of drive renewals of you know their online training products. Great, thank you. So one of the, so you, you're starting at a job and basically there's a lot you could do, right? Like there's probably a number of things you could tackle. Yes, and disclaimer being, I'm really, I literally haven't started yet. So I, the list that I don't know is infinite, but, but yeah, they're really confused about which things to track. I mean, just yeah. simply put, and you know, nobody on the product team knows, nobody in the development team knows. So they hire you, and they're gonna say, your first day in the door, they're gonna be like, all right, what do you wanna change? And you're gonna be like, uh. <laughs> so how about I learn a few things first, and then we'll talk in a couple weeks? Um, so yeah, so let's say, um, so I'm gonna use this as sort of a jumping off point. So let's say Jim here starts at the company and he gets to know the business a little bit. So he starts looking at um, company, we'll start with our company's revenue targets for the year. We break down the revenue targets for the year and we look at the customer side of the house, which is where a lot of us sit, right? And customer churns at an all-time high. Their new product, they just released a new product or a new series of educational topics and adoption of it's super slow. And in, in addition to this, their support ticket volume has increased exponentially. So this is what we know walking in. All right, these are our big business problems. We know this because almost every company under the sun is tracking this information, although they might not make it readily available. So in a lot of cases, it's your job to track this down using systems like Dave's. Um, so there's a number, as we can see here, these are just things I put down off the top of my head. There's an infinite number of ways we could approach this. We could survey users, but depending on which one we want to tackle, we don't want a 5 million word long survey. So we might focus on new product adoption, or we might focus on hiring another content creator for our learning management tool or our help center, or we might upgrade our learning management tool, but there's only one of Jim, and Jim only has so many hours in the day in which he can work. This is when we start contextualizing the decision. So this is when we go back to the revenue targets. And I choose revenue targets because not every company uh, tracks its goals in a public way. So I am very fortunate in that I work for a company that um, its slogan literally used to be transparency drives performance and we all have to track our goals and align them up to the company strategy. So really cool stuff, but every company under the sun tracks revenue targets and you can access that information. So if we take a look deeper into this, what's likely happening, and again, this is a hypothetical, Jim walks in the door and he starts digging here um, using some of the data from the tools that 
um, from Azuqua and the other exciting data tools. So it's likely, so if you look at customer churn alone, all right, there's so many things that impact customer churn. It could be your product. It could be the quality of your support team. It could be your help center. It could be the fact that we've never had a gym before. If we take a look at our knowledge tickets, probably what you'll get from that is people don't know enough about your product. And finally, if we take a look at our new product adoption, we just released a major new product, but only 20% of the user base is using it. So where do we decide where to start? We take a look at our customer success revenue targets. Now, what we see here is that there's been a 10% increase from last year in the revenue targets for the customer success team, but they're experiencing all of these problems. Now, if you were to talk to an executive team, what they're going to tell you based on this number is that you should be looking at your new product release, because likely that's also going to answer the knowledge tickets issue. And both of those are going to have a super positive impact on your churn. So if you're ever not wondering like which direction you go in, taking a look at your company objectives, which again, always boil down to your revenue targets, then you're going to have a little bit more context for making this decision. And this is purely hypothetical. Part of the reason why I tell you to look at your company's revenue targets and look at your company's challenges in getting those revenue targets is because for every single company, it is completely different. And this is why we focus on objectives and not plans. All right, so to break that down super quick, taking a look, I always start here with our big picture goals. What are your organization's targets for this fiscal year? Out of curiosity, does anyone happen to know their, their company's revenue targets for this year? Just like, how much money? Yeah, a few of you. Spoiler, this is your homework. How many of you happen to know, kind of at least in percentages, how that breaks down across the different teams? Like customer success, yeah, you data people. I see you over there, <laughs> you know. Great, so what you wanna do is you wanna take a look at your what your company is focusing on. As we saw in the previous one, 30% of the co that company's revenue is coming from customer success. That's huge, right? Depending on the industry you're in and the kind of company you are, that could be astronomical. The 10% increase is huge. Maybe you don't have the man or woman power for it. Once you break this down into de departmental goals, so then you can see what's challenging them and identify where the areas of biggest need are. Then you can start identifying, all right, what data do we need to be tracking here? What data are we tracking already? So we have the churn numbers, right? But are we tracking what our knowledge tickets are? So if people are writing into our support center, are we tracking what kind, what things they're asking about? Because it may have nothing to do with that new product. And we're just, we're saying, oh, well, it, it must be related, but it might not be. So then you can decide what you have versus what you need, identify the resources needed, and then you can execute. And I, this is the thing that my boss always has to tell me, um, prioritize the projects with the fastest, most immediate result, not the ones you want to work on. Um, so the quick wins versus perfection. Perfection is the enemy of the good. All right, so really quick, the benefits of all of this, it extends beyond decision making for your customer education program, especially if it's new. If you are being hired at a company and you're the first person in your role or you're on a really small team, even if you're an individual contributor, you're not a team lead, this can actually have a huge positive benefit on your job, thinking in terms of ROI and your company's revenue. Firstly, um, plans go obsolete quickly and objectives remain consistent. So your company is unlikely to adjust its revenue targets for the year. 
That's your company's objective. You might have a plan to implement your customer-facing learning management tool. Perfect real-life example, I'm in the middle of implementation for SkillDraw right now, and we have a test group of users. We created all of the content for the test group of users, and I talked to our director of implementation, and she says, yeah, so um, we're gonna have to redirect all of the implementation resources to actually this other product. So now we have to adjust and generate all of the content for this other thing. Now, luckily, we'd kind of prepared for this because ultimately our objective in this case is to test the learning management tool. Any content we create is good, yes, but we have contingencies, right? Any of that content can be repurposed, but we focus on the objective. We could talk about the objectives in Fire Festival. We can do that in the Q&A. But how all of that went terribly, terribly wrong. Um, really, you should watch that documentary. In addition to this, you can also identify what data you need. So this, again, because your company is different from every other company, all the objectives are different, the data that you need, the data that is most important to you is different. And finally, this is my favorite, making yourself more valuable. So if you can speak the way your department heads and your executive teams think in terms of ROI and investment and dollar dollar bills, then you can understand and increase your own value with the company. So this means things like, oh, going from a learning specialist to a learning manager or making a hire or getting them to invest more in learning, purchasing a customer-facing learning management tool. If you can calculate the ROI for this, that's fantastic. All of a sudden, you're proving, what Dave was saying, you're proving your value to the people who think in terms of dollars. So that's another reason why you think about the company revenue and how you might have an impact on that. DIY. Um, so that's from the, some of you recognize this. This is the FEMA tents that the um, luxury uh, uh, music festival people had to stay in for a single night. Um, so one of the things that I have made, I've presumed throughout all of this is that you are going to have access to and are going to be hunting down this data yourself. And not at every, organi not at every organization is this going to be readily available. I'm going to guess at Heap, it's really easy to access this information because it's all data all the time. I'm um, to Zuqua, um, another good example of that. One of the reasons why I want you to start thinking about this is because you can have conversations with the people who hold this information. If you start talking to them about the benefit that you can give and, hey, I can increase your team's productivity, you can start getting access to this information. So your company is likely upfront and going to be able to share with you its revenue targets, for example, or you can probably find them somewhere and you can start digging yourself. But in terms of increasing your own value and increasing the value of your team, it's really important whether you are a department head or a loan manager or an individual contributor, maybe you're just a content creator or you're kind of learning adjacent at your company. It's really important for you to understand how you fit into your company in order to execute most optimally, ooh, that was a lot of buzzwords, execute most optimally in your job. All right, thank you. <laughs> and do we have, I guess, any questions for either of us? Yes. Surveys, yes. Ooh, that's an interesting one. So um, I'll be honest with you, clear, 
Clear Company's a little behind in the times right now. We use SurveyMonkey for ours. We are going to be migrating off of that to what is probably going to depend on the marketing team. And uh, But whatever it is, it's, of course, going to connect to Salesforce. So that will be a prerequisite. But in terms of what information is the most helpful, it does depend on what problem you're trying to solve, right? So again, going back to the business objectives, one of like a survey, let's say I want to run a survey for the new learning management tool. And for my test group of users, I want to understand like what worked and what didn't. That's really straightforward. But if I'm trying to evaluate the training program's impact overall, let's say someone makes it out, uh, like makes it out of training and I want to send them a survey 90 days after the fact, it ultimately goes back to when we define value. So time to value for the product what does value mean for your customers? So in our case, that could mean anything from we have, um, you know, we want to understand like the adoption of the product. Obviously, we want to ask like, oh, do you enjoy the usage of it? Is it easy to use? Things like that. Um, we might want to say like, was the training program helpful for you? They might not remember it. So then we get into things like understanding, you know, is this having a positive business impact on them? For our recruiting tool, we want to know if are your hiring managers logging in? Do they know how to use the system? And things like that. So it depends on what uh, for something like that, what, how do we define value? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the surveys? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, one of the things I always say is use the tools you have that are free and easy. I actually use, uh, in, and this is kind of embarrassing, for surveys and for actually all of the quizzes that I did, Google. Google, Google quizzes are just phenomenal and they have the provision for doing MPS. So if you want to get started now, the one thing I'd add is like you could use SurveyMonkey. Gainsight had really good stuff, but it depends on what, what money you have. Do you have the resources? I just like throw out a simple MPS on, on Google and it's, it's really easy to do. Yeah, it's another good one too if you're just start if you're figuring out like where to start with surveys, like honestly, just find whatever NPS or CSAT survey and then adjust it based on whatever your objectives are with the survey. You're welcome. Ooh, Adam's asking, is anyone using a survey tool that you love? So to repeat back, the, um, for, the, for the folks who are listening to this after the fact, essentially SurveyMonkey um, gets good reviews because it collects additional data about the people you're surveying, um, like you know who they are, where they are, maybe what size client they are. That can have a huge impact on, like, on a survey because a small client might love a part of your product that a large client hates. That happens to us all the time. <laughs> Segmentation. Any other survey tools? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. So SurveyMonkey also collects information and gives them to other people. Who doesn't? Also. Yeah. What other questions do we have? Oh, the question was when you're gathering all of your accounts, was that through Gainsight? Yeah, it was through Salesforce. Yeah, like uh, Gainsight was built is built on top of Salesforce. So, and that's a huge boon because you use your, you use tools that sales and marketing and you know, people know. Um, but you know, yeah, it was all built in there. 
So you could get all, it would pull basically all the account information and, and I used learned out at the time and I would munge together that data into a report and then I would do stuff with it. Actually, I was able to use the integration that you guys had, bring that data into Gainsight. And like at that time, Gainsight has a rules engine, which is pretty phenomenal. Azuka was basically that same thing externalized. So it hits everything. So I was able to build those things and do the connection, like this person's in this account and figure all that kind of stuff out. Ooh, yeah, good. come talk to me later. Yeah, so we, the question it, the question, question was, uh, do we have a good workaround if someone uses their non-account associated email? Ooh, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. You're very welcome. Any other questions? Yes. Linda. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. So the question um, is essentially like, how do you uh, how how do you get buy-in from an executive team, um, or I guess it could even apply to a department head, depending on your organizational structure. Um, so how do you actually speak their language? So what I said about like speaking in terms of revenue is huge. Um, so understanding. It's sort of a, it's a bit of a hard pill to swallow, um, is understanding that your job exists for a specific business reason that has to do with revenue. Like that's a huge part of it is that you are going to have a very positive impact. And the lucky part for us customer educators is that anything we could do is awesome basically and our company needs it. But the, uh, one of the big things, and this is where the data comes in, one of the big things um, that I had to do, and this was really difficult, even at a company like mine, where this information is generally readily accessible, is boiling down all of the information, um, so boiling the ocean, boiling down all of the ways in which we could impact the business, understanding where I could have the most impact, and then calculating the exact ROI for it, um, and understanding like this is how much money you guys are going to save if we hire this person. So it, you. Part of it is is getting really deep into what you think the next best move is. So, for example, when I when I started as at Clear Company, I was an implementation manager, and so customer facing project manager. I was employee number thirty three, and so we didn't have a training team at all. And I got quickly very frustrated with the fact that we didn't have a formal training program. And so I said, "Hey, I can do this." And what I what we had to do is part market research and understanding like what that means. So understanding what um, you know what kind of impact an education program could have on the business, um, and then specifically applying how I would do it. So I actually have to, like when I talk to an executive team about this, I have to have the five-year plan going into it. I have to say like, and luckily I have a team that understands this may change, but if I center it around their business objectives and say, hey, we wanna hire this person for um, going into 2019. If we have another, this just happened, if we have another person, we can have them create all the content for the skill jar interface and 
I can actually start focusing on that sales training program that you guys want me to do. And I can actually execute on that because there is literally no way you can implement a learning management tool and create a full scale sales onboarding program when you're not a sales trainer or even if you are a sales trainer. So having them understand, talking to them about the give and take, calculating the ROI and having the, this is the measurable positive impact this will have on the business. This is how I'm going to execute on it, boiling that down into a 20 minute presentation. So it's like, I guess the TLDR version is, it's like 40 hours worth of work for a 20 minute presentation in which you get argued with. I'm also totally happy to share pro tips with that. I've had a lot of arguments. Yes. One way, this is kind of, this has worked for me a couple of times, but it is a question. Those presentations go better the more you're able to really visually display the data. Is Tableau the best for that? This is for both of you. Is there something else to keep it really simple but really visual to help make the click happen a lot faster? Well, I can, the short answer, and Dave can answer with specific products. The short answer for me is something with which they are already familiar. So if you have an executive team that is going in, we have a CEO who occasionally goes, ooh, I wonder how this is going, and then goes like full nosedive into like a support person's life kind of thing. And so he's really curious and he's probably seen a lot of this stuff before. So pulling from reports that you know he's seen, that's a big one. So something with which they are already familiar. So even if it's not the most beautiful chart that's ever happened, one that they've been shown before, one that they've looked at or hunted down, that's probably the best, the familiar territory. So depends. For me, it always is like seven different systems. So Azuqua would be helpful. We should talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the same. Like we always talk about, you speak the language of the business that you're operating in, right? You, you have to use the tools that they do and, and encompass the expectations that they have. You know, with that being said, you know, if you've got, you've got a Tableau license, sure as heck use it. You can make some pretty darn cool stuff. But yeah, like I use Google Sheets all the time or Google Slides or whatever. Some, I, I like to keep it as simple as possible knowing that I'm a data nerd and I'm going to make it as complex as possible if I, if I don't aspire to simplicity. So may not help you, but I'd keep it simple. Um, the other thing that's related to all of this as well is that um, I, I'm i very lucky. So my manager is the SVP of operations. And so she is a huge horse in the race as far as this is concerned. And so I go through this presentation several iterations with just her. So the executive team member, either the one that you report to or the one that you have the best relationship with, say, hey, I want to I run this. Then you have several iterations. And you do have to be willing to kill your babies, so to speak. Like, they're going to tell you that's garbage. Like, I know you love that thing, but... I was like, no, you can keep that in the back of your head, but your CEO doesn't care about that. I'm like, oh, but our customers do. <laughs> so, yeah. Question for Dave. So does Azuqua track clicks? N not directly. I mean, you're looking for click tracking. If you're looking on a page, then you're going to want to use some kind of a page analytics system like Google Analytics or Heap. Or Heap. You might want to use Heap for we that. We want to talk to Heap too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ju just to be absolutely clear, what, what Azuqua is, is a remote control for your apps. 
right? What we do is allow you to connect everything to everything else that you need to do and build workflows. That being said, you're going to use other systems like Heap or Google Analytics or whatever to you know, build, you know, fill in the interstices of those problems. So I would use like Google Analytics or what is it? It's qual what, are, what are the the other applications that you would use for page tracking? Usually that's like JavaScript texts, stuff in line. But that being said, if you have that data, the big problem we have is we've got that Google Analytics data and then it's really hard to, to tease that out and merge it into other stuff. So that's where we could help you with that. We're not an ETL, meaning we're not taking big data. We're taking actionable data one thing at a time. Make sense? Love this one. So, how do you map um, the learning? Uh, how I guess it's essentially how does learning? How do you calculate how exactly learning impacts those things? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so how do you map the variables to the outcomes? If we're not, if we're talking purely about customer education and not internal education, um, the big one that is going to be, the, the big one is a lifetime value of the customer. So churn, churn of course comes into this, right? So if your training is crap, if people don't use the tool, that results in low product adoption, support ticket volume, unhappy customers. Ultimately, they're going to churn out of your business. And so if you can educate your customers better and make them delighted to use your software, that increases the lifetime value of the customer. So you have the sale, um, you know, if you, let's say you have two-year contract, uh, $50,000 a year, um, assuming that the contract doesn't get broken, that's $100,000 worth of business. But then we get into the renewal, right? Um, so what it's more easy to track. Um, so it's more, it's like a beyond sales thing. So it's like a continuing sales. So in that case, customer education has a, it depends if you're not, um, if you're not doing prospect training um, or that sort of thing, like best practices training with prospects or monetizing it, um, then it's, you connect it to the lifetime value of the customer um, and uh, how in the churn rate. I, I can add a little bit more to that. So I think you did an exemplary job of like saying, this is the outcome. This is the goal. Like you, you start with that. But I find that the, the, that's the easy part because we, at our company, we have OKRs. I don't know if you use them, but you know, that, that's really helpful to say, okay, well, I don't even need to ask somebody. It's all written down. The, the harder part that I found is where in the heck is that data, right? Uh, Gainsight was all about usage data. What is, what is somebody clicking on in the product? Like they're storing all that stuff and they, they have the, I love the word telemetry. They have all that stuff, but I need to get to that. And then I need to go grab my accounts and then I need to grab other information. Like what are the sales? And then like Jesse, you and I did a, a really cool presentation. Where we were talking about that very problem and we munched all this data together. And the outcome was I could show an uptick. Uh, and you may have that slide still. I, I'm going to dig that out. Um, you could show that correlation to, okay, these are the accounts without, without the, who've not consumed training. These are the accounts that have. The slide I showed was time to value, but you could flip that and make it at sales. Like how many accounts, like th this is a really tough problem. Let's talk Salesforce. You know who your accounts are in Salesforce. You know what you have your revenue stats in Salesforce. You have all this 
crap in Salesforce. And then you've got your learning management system, you know who the learners are. So now you have to take all these data resources and bring them together into a report. The hard work I think in that, and you know this implicitly, is oh my God, how do I get all this stuff together? I always like to get it into a scratch. Like Gainsight was my scratch, you know, Pat. I, it's, I put all the data and I start to play with it and get it all, all correlated. And then you have, then you can get to the outcomes that Isabel was talking about. That's the hard part. Like find your data sources, figure out what they're all doing, and then build that, that rule, that business process that gives you like a table with all the data mapped. You got? Yeah, definitely. I think the easiest way to do that, um, and I, it's this is not something you actually want to experiment with, um, but if you have historical data, um, you can show numbers from before you did this stuff. So I think that this is like, well, in under behind door door one, we have this is like what we had before the unhappy. This is this is like the state of the union before we implemented this thing. Three years later, we've been doing it this way, and. You're right. It's a, I guess, hard pill to swallow is that you are, this is a metric that you are tied to that you are not solely responsible for. You know, like again, going back to the stinky things about not being salespeople is we don't have that particular quota that we are responsible for. Um, but you can show um, this is the world without it and this is the world with it. And I think the other challenge that comes in with all of this is that a lot of the data that is super specific to your company comes over time. And so one of the things that I've had to do in like getting in, you know, buy in an investment for this stuff is I've had to show, I actually use Skilljar for a lot of this. I was like, I was like, hey girl, um, I'm gonna need numbers on all of this stuff, like from seven different examples. Um, if I'm gonna give this to my sale, if I'm gonna give this to my executive team. Yeah, so it's a, so yeah, I don't know, Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Grab the mic. Thank you so much to both of our speakers today.